Hello everyone, I'm Jacqueline Peterson and you've tuned in to localjobnetwork.com radio and you are listening to the LGN Radio Quad where our radio hosts and company leaders gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment related. Now, we have three of us in the studio today, and Lynn Molitor is actually on location in D.C. working from our D.C. office. Lynn, how's the weather in our nation's capital? It's uh, another glorious day here. Summer has arrived. Nice. Well, we are missing you in our Milwaukee office, but in the studio today we have Tim Yuma. Hello, everybody. And Jamie Goble. Hi. No surprise, we have a variety of topics to dive into. And if you guys are actually okay with it, I'd like to kick us off with our first topic. Sure. Go yeah, for it. Go for Good. It. Well, before we do that, though, I do um, have a message for our listeners out there. If you are on Twitter, please follow us at the LJN. Again, that's at the LJN. And use the hashtag LJN Radio to tweet your favorite piece of information from today's quad. And we're actually going to give a Starbucks gift card to our favorite tweet. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. So the first topic of the day is passive aggressive behavior in the workplace. And I sent out an article for my lovely colleagues to read. <laughs> and I just wanted to bring this up because I, I think it's fair to say like at some point we've all maybe participated in passive aggressive behavior, um, but it can be a little stifling and build mistrust. So I just wanted to talk about it and maybe discuss some tips on, you know, what it is, let's define it, and then maybe what can we do to, like, promote an environment where we're not, you know, being passive-aggressive with each other. And the article that I found was on Psychology Today, and it was funny because the quote that, like, started the article said, behind the smile, a hidden knife. And I was like, (laughs) wow. And then it goes to define passive-aggressive behavior as someone who may appear to comply or act appropriately, but then actually behaves negatively and passively resists. So did you guys have a chance to read the article? Yes. All right. What were your thoughts? I thought it was really interesting. I don't No, I'm one of those people where I don't know that I always notice these things. But then when I was reading through it, some of their examples kind of got me thinking, oh, I have felt that way a little bit before in certain circumstances. I think the one that was most helpful to me was to not overreact, reduce personalization and misunderstanding, because you can often jump to conclusions and think, oh, this person didn't respond to me because because of me. And you kind of build that um, negative connotation around them. But maybe it's just they're taking time to really decide how they want to approach things. Or it might be something completely unrelated. And this article talks about the fact that they really do things because of them, not because of us. So we should kind of not have that kind of misinterpretation. So that was most helpful to me because I think I might do that sometimes. <laughs> I was going to say, I found that interesting, though, that example about if, you know, someone doesn't get back to me, beca- uh, uh, like uh, respond to an email, because I guess I, I don't quite always understand what passive aggressive means. <laughs> I think that's where I was struggling. And then when I read some of those examples, I was like, oh, I never I would never even assume that's what that meant. I agree. So maybe I'm naive. <laughs> well, no, I think I think you bring up a good point because I the, I sort of felt it and I was like, what am I what am I feeling? Like it was I was working on a project with someone 
And I was like feeling it. And then I was like, I think this is passive aggressive behavior. So then I, that, and that's actually why I looked it up. Um, and then I, I too, Lynn, I didn't really know or could pinpoint exactly what was the passive aggressive, if it was passive aggressive behavior or, or what. But I, I think, I think this article does a great job of like outlining and bulleting just like different examples of what it could be. Because I think you bring up a good point. Is it or is it not? Is this, you know, w- what are people thinking here? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough. I think with anything, we look at it as whether it's office politics or just culture clash or personality differences. You know, I it's hard to label it. It's hard to figure out what it might be. For me, I don't know. I always just lean towards trying to be as open and honest as possible all the time. And I know it's not always fun and it doesn't have to be harsh or, or anything like that. But oftentimes just stepping into a, a room with somebody and just chatting, sort of asking, hey, am I missing something here? Uh, I, I don't know. I felt that's always kind of been the, the best way to go. And I sort of always, you know, sometimes reputations hinder or, or affect what happens when, it, when you talk about passive aggressive behavior. And I always sort of look at it as I think it was a John Wooden quote, and I'm sure he got it from somewhere as well. But the idea that character is more important than your reputation. So even though someone might think you're a certain way or that you were doing something, it's more important that you can look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm, I'm being the best person I can be. And if somebody thinks I'm not, I can't control that. So sort of that, that separating yourself from it being personal and, hey, maybe they have something going on. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's not about me. It's, it's just something separate. That, that's the best way I can handle it. I like that. That is nice. So- So that's interesting because I think that, you know, the way I look at some of these uh, situations, though, I kind of perceive that someone maybe is having a bad day. And so I know I tend then to, like, stay clear or stay away. Mm -hmm. So then am I giving am I giving a bad am I giving an impression that I don't intend to give by like giving the person space? I thought one of the examples in there was to keep your distance. So I think that might be a decent approach, actually, unless I misinterpreted that. But again, I think the person is just having a bad day. Maybe they're <laughs> passive aggressive. I don't even know. Yeah. No, I, I think it, I think the article said, like, you can't use each tip for each person in each yeah. situation. You mm-hmm. kind of have to assess. And I think it's more of a pattern thing, too. Like, if you're mm. working on a project with someone and you always – you always sense something or something's like not feeling right and it's consistent. I think that's where you start to notice, okay, there's some some sort of like, you know, maybe not, they're not yeah. being completely honest at a meeting and then maybe there's something else going on on the side that you you hear about later, stuff like that. Like I, I think more it's more of like a pattern thing. It's not like an isolated incident where right. someone's having a bad day. I don't know. That's just that's my, a good point. That's my yeah. just interpretation of it. So. Yeah, well, I was very into your article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. Good. Well, yeah, and and one of the one of the tips that I did like too is is keep your distance, meaning like, you know, keep it I interpret that as like, you know, being professional, maybe documenting things, keep your communication um, you know, clear and concise. And then, you know, don't lower yourself to that level too. If you're noticing that it's a pattern, it's not like an isolated incident, and you're noticing, okay, this is more their style and how they approach things, you know, don't lower yourself to that level to try to get back at them. Just handle it. And and like Tim said, worry about your character. That's really all you can control. Any other tips? No, I think that's good. (laughs) Gave us something new to think about. I know, I know. (laughs) Be on the lookout. No, (laughs) Like I said, I think at some point we've, I I can say I've probably done it. I can, I'll admit it. But it's just, it for me, it, it, you start to like, you, it almost, in a sense, builds a little sense of paranoia because then you mm-hmm. feel like, 
okay, what am I thinking? What am I not thinking? Like you're, you're sort of like trying to like dot all your I's and cross all your T's. And it's, it's not a good feeling when you're working with someone on a project like that. You want to feel like you guys are being honest and open. Right. Um, so I just thought I'd bring that up. So hopefully <laughs> it'll help our listeners out there. Definitely help me. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Sure. But Lynn, you actually have a topic that's the quite opposite of passive aggressive behavior. Couldn't even be more direct. What did you want to <laughs> talk about? <laughs> so, um, so here is an example. You know, I'm always, you know, looking for new topics on the quad. And uh, recently, um, one of the restaurants that I go to often um, and have a server uh, there, I had found out that she recently quit. And not only did she quit, but she actually like quit in the middle of her shift, you know, and that just kind of made me cringe because obviously I think um, for whatever reasons that she quit, if she changes her mind, I don't think she'll be coming back to that restaurant. Um, But then that got me thinking, um, all of us do quit our jobs at some point in our life, even if it's our first job, when we're going to retire, we're going to have to quit. Um, So what are some uh, do's and don'ts for people on how to uh, quit their jobs? I can start us off. I mean, one of the things that I always think about is, you know, you've built a relationship there, not only with your colleagues, but, you know, if you're working externally with customers and, you know, you're you're in front of a lot of people, um, you want to leave on a good note. For me, it's, you know, planning, making sure everything is dealt with, taken care of, you know, all of your I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So if somebody is filling your shoes, they can really step into it nicely. Also, you know, if you can, and I know company policies do vary, let your customers know because they really want to be able to wish you well, say goodbye to you. They want to know that they're left in good hands. So Hmm. I think it really does vary, obviously, on a company by company basis. But in your situation, Lynn, you probably wanted to be able to say goodbye to her or, you know, you probably did have good experiences. And now this kind of left it on a bad note just because you don't really know what happened there. So I think the more um, you can deal with on the front end, the better. You know, that's an interesting point you make about letting your customers know, because I've actually run into that uh, recently, the last couple of weeks, where my my rep at, at, at a company was replaced, and I was never informed. And then I kind of had to go through this, you know, phone tag jungle to find someone then to take care of me. So that was a good extra bonus point, I think, with this topic. <laughs> good. I, think, I think that's, I think you bring up a good point, Lynn. I think like Jamie had mentioned, some organizations, they don't want their salespeople to let their customers know. And I think that's partly because they don't want, uh, they don't want that person who's leaving to take clients with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's I, a hard line. <laughs> as far as uh, that server quitting, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people have felt that they wanted to do that at some point, you know, whatever job it might have been, just walk off, you know, they'll drop the mic moment, if you will, for those uh, that know what that means. <laughs> but uh, to your point, Lynn, I mean, even if, if she wanted to go back there or I'm sure in the restaurant business, as with a lot of businesses, there are a lot of connections and contacts being made and, um, you know, you're probably hurting yourself at some point in the long run there. But uh, sort of to, to Jamie's point of, having everything set up for yourself when you make a emotional decision like that a lot of times it's it's going to haunt you in one way or another now, maybe she did maybe she had actually been planning this for a while and she just thought it'd be dramatic and and you know she was un- upset with management um so be it but um you know that sort of being professional side of it uh understanding that 
even if things were bad there, they got worse or the relationship was bad, uh, you you were working for somebody, they gave you an opportunity, um, you know, you probably improved your skills and your personality and all that. Um, so having a little respect for just the process. Now, again, we don't know the details of what happened there, so you can't speak to that specifically, but just like always have in the back of your mind that professional side of things. I, I'm sure she'll have many years of work ahead of her, and you hate for that to sort of be a black mark over you, especially if you're looking to you know, management at some point. You just don't know how that could come back to hurt you with the people that, that knew you at the time and say, hey, you know what? Kind of a wild card. Don't know if you want to hire her. Tim, I think you bring up a good point. I think it was probably an emotional reaction to something. Um, but who knows? Maybe she was just has a side for dramatics <laughs> and she'd been planning it the whole time. Um, but what I what I, I brought one do and one don't. One do is, I think Tim sort of hit on this, have some respect for the process. When you are going to be putting you in your resignation, I think that it's always important to have a resignation letter and to give that two-week notice. It's just a courtesy. The employer will decide from there what to do with that as far as giving you two weeks mm. or whatnot, but as just a courtesy and respect for the process, do type up a formalized letter stating that you're thankful for the opportunities, um, that you're resigning and you wish the company well and you're giving two weeks. Now, can I jump in there? So yeah. if you're going to give that two weeks though, should you be prepared to be done that day? Because some employers will say, hey, let's just cut ties now. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But you're giving that to them. That's right. just a courtesy. Right. But I'm saying don't be surprised if yeah. you know you don't want to plan for that two weeks and then suddenly you don't have that job for two weeks. Right. So just understand you're making a commitment it's at some point from now to two weeks. Okay. Exactly. And then the other thing is don't disparage your employer. A lot of times when someone is moving on, um, they could be moving on for positive things. There is maybe a, an opportunity that they want and that they've been going after, and so they found this good opportunity. Other times, maybe it was just not the right fit for the employee and, and, and the, the company, and the employee decided, you know, it's time for me to move on. If that's the case, don't don't disparage the employer. It gets around the office, and, you know, it kind of is tangentially related to what you said, Tim. It, it's going to go back to the organization, mm. and, you know, that organization you sort of need as a, as a reference at some point, and you want to make sure that you set that up for yourself. So for whatever the reason is, keep it positive. Don't disparage the employer. Certainly don't go around the office gossiping about why you're quitting. Keep it professional because it's your character on the line. Nice. Nice tie-in. <laughs> yeah, I like, those are good points, Jacqueline. And I think um, especially like with the, the two-week notice, in some cases, people also uh, give a longer notice. Oh, yeah. And I always give credit to those people. Um, in fact, we recently, I think we waited for, I don't know, one or two of our newer coworkers. They felt it important that they needed to have a longer period of time for a transition from their old employer. And it worked out in our case uh, to allow them to have that longer period of time. I think um, long, a longer uh, transition period is good if you can work it out. I think that was nice. I recently had someone transition from my team to a different role and she gave four weeks and I thought that that was perfect because oh. it's exactly what we needed. So yeah, I think to Lynn's point, if you can offer more than two weeks, definitely offer it. Um, but I think two weeks is the absolute minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a small world out there. Sometimes it doesn't quite work out for a person and it's not unheard of that people will go back to a former employer. Mm -hmm. So you always want to 
just leave the doors open if there is that slightest possibility. So Absolutely. Well, switching gears to a lighter topic, Tim, what's on your mind? <laughs> well, <clears throat> as part of my regular duties here, and as I've had in the past, <laughs> I, you know, I'm supposed to ask questions. I'm supposed to get some answers yes. from other people, inquire. At other times, though, within an organization, uh, sometimes asking questions might uh, not be seen as so positive. Maybe, uh, you know, people want answers as opposed to questions or wondering why are you asking so many questions? Just, you know, obviously just follow what we're doing and and understand that's what's that's what's going on here. I guess I wanted to get the take of three experienced individuals here. And where do you see the pros and cons of asking a lot of questions within an organization? And again, I'm not question, not questioning like, leadership or anything like that, but more just, okay, why are we doing this? Or can you explain to me what, why we go through this process as opposed to just doing this? I think I can see the positives and negatives to it, but I just, from, from all of your perspectives, uh, sort of your take on asking questions versus offering up answers. I have kind of two points of view from this. I think, you know, as a um, leader in the organization, I feel like when my team members come to me and ask questions, I really like that. Sometimes we don't always offer all the information, not because it's, you know, for um, lack of wanting you to know, Mm -hmm. but we don't go through all the ins and outs of every decision or project we're working on or things like that just for time's sake. So if somebody does want to know about something, I feel to have them really give it their all and have buy-in and be able to help to the degree that we want them to, they should definitely ask questions. And I have no problem with that. If there's ever something I'm not able to tell them, I, you know, let them know in a tactful way why, you know, not really sure that, you know, we can talk about it at this point or, or whatnot. But I definitely value those questions. It also shows their engagement and their want to know more at a higher level, which I like. And on the opposite spectrum, as a leader, I was taught early on in, you know, my managing experience that you should always, you know, push back and ask questions. Mm -hmm. And it helps your team members to be able to think on their feet and be able to formulate solutions as well. So I've learned, you know, I wasn't always good at that. (laughs) I was offering a lot of answers and I still find myself doing that sometimes, but I do really try to take more of that, you know, question approach. And it has, it has definitely served me well. I like this approach um, from the, so my background is really in projects. And so what I uh, was taught and I in turn try and mentor others um, is to know all the answers before the question is asked as a means of preparation so that when a leader does, um, you know, when you're presenting something to a leader and they start firing all these questions at you, that um, you're ready for the, with the answers. So that can be another challenge in um, being prepared. But I know um, what often happens then on the flip side from the um, from the leadership perspective, I know our company president, he usually when we present him with options, he'll always say, well, what's your opinion? What's your favorite? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know early on we would just like present stuff to him and just expect him to pick it out. And now it's kind of like a joke about, okay, I better be prepared to to back up what I think my favorite is because I know he's going to come back and, and ask me. So, you know, it's just a couple of different situations that I've learned from the past. Right. Yeah. I, um, Tim, I think you, I, I actually love this topic when I saw it because it's something that we do encourage here at the local job network is to ask questions. 
And I think once you get really good at your role, it's easy to ask questions, mm-hmm. I feel like. And, you know, you you want to know more and you're engaged. And I feel like when you're transitioning to a new position, it's a little bit harder to ask questions because you're not really sure necessarily what questions you should be asking. True. So I think that it's a little bit tricky. But I do think um, one of the, the things that I liked from the, the exercise here that I'm going to be um, implementing <laughs> is the next time I'm actually in a work meeting, I'm going to just take note of how many questions I ask versus how many answers I give. And just to see if I am, you know, um, asking what I should be or shouldn't be because I'm evolving into a different role. Tim, you're evolving into a different role on our team. And I think when you're in that transitional period, it is hard to remember, like, what am I, what should I be asking? I don't even know what I don't know. You know, it's like one of those. That's the hard thing, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what I don't know. So how do I know what to ask? And I feel like, Tim, you and I are sort of going through the same steps right now. So I I definitely love this topic, but I also agree with uh, Jamie and Lynn. It is important to ask questions because it shows that you're engaged. And I do appreciate how the president of our company does always ask our opinion. And Lynn, you're right. We always have to be prepared to be able to give our rationale (laughs) because you know he's going to ask, what do you think? Another thing that he always does too, which I think is really helpful too, is if we have like a, a company email that goes out, maybe it's to a particular group of people, he will respond last because he doesn't want people to follow his lead. So right. he'll wait to respond until everyone else has given his opinion and then he'll give his opinion, which I also think is helpful. But as a leader, one of the tactics that I use that Jamie does too is ask them, what do you think it should be? How do you think it should go? Because that gets them to critically think and to give ideas. But then you can help sort of um, push them in a, in a direction maybe that matches or that mirrors more with the company um, goals. But at the same time, the article that I really, really liked said sometimes people don't necessarily want to ask questions because they're maybe they don't want to change the status quo. And I think the quote says, but we've never done it that way. So, you know, why do we need to change it? But change is good. Mm. You know, just because we've done it a certain way for so long doesn't necessarily mean that's the right way. And that's one thing that my manager always tells me. You always have to think of ways to improve processes. Just just because we've done it this way, Jacqueline, doesn't mean that's the right way. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I try to tell my team. Well, and I've noticed too, and just whether it's experience here or with coaching or even with kids, sometimes when somebody asks a question, they're not actually looking for an answer, but they want to just talk about it. Like, and I've I often felt just asking that simple question, well, what do you think? Gets them just to think out loud. It's not like you're sitting at your desk or whatever, and you're just you. You're thinking through things. It just, I don't know. Not, you're not bouncing off of anybody, and then they come and ask, and all of a sudden it opens things up. So, well, I, I'm all in favor of asking a lot of questions. I like <laughs> it when you ask questions, Tim. Sure, you do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> there seems to be a, a line though that sometimes I might cross. Like. That's okay. I learn. You learn. All yeah. right. <laughs> well, lastly, um, we have Jamie. Thank you, Jamie, for joining us today. We know that you have been all over the U.S. from Colorado <laughs> to Minnesota with literally. <laughs> This last month, what did you want to talk about today? Well, speaking of that, I was hoping to get some insight on traveling for work, tips on balancing it all. I don't travel a whole lot for work, but the past four weeks I've been traveling um, a couple of those weeks, not the full week, but a good amount of time. So it's always playing catch up. Even though you're working and they're work trips, it still seems to really catch me off guard. And I feel like I'm good at prioritizing, but I still (laughs) feel like I'm really struggling to catch up when I get back in the office. So any helpful tips for me and for our listeners out there would be great. The thing I like to do is what I call email triage. (laughs) Um, 
I like you the know, sound of it. Well, it's like trying to take a, because you're going to be backed up with email. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of going through that now because um, I was actually on vacation the last week. And what I tried to do is actually be on vacation and not stay in contact like I normally do. I'm not sure that was such a good idea. No, it is a good idea because we've talked about it in the quad before. You need to go on vacation. I know, but now I'm in like overload email triage mode. But, you know, it's like trying to um, uh, go through your email quickly and get rid of the stuff that you don't have to um, address or respond to. Or maybe it's just a lower priority and try and get the clutter out of the way so you can kind of focus in on, what am I behind in? What do I have to respond to? And I think with technology now, it it's helpful. I know I get my email on my phone. So sometimes I know this may not be a good idea, but if you got some lull time somewhere and you're just standing waiting, you know, like waiting for a movie to start, then you can just kind of go through and go, all right, I can get rid of this email. But Jacqueline, you also have some options You have other ways to stay connected to the office through technology as well, don't you? Yeah, I actually travel. uh, I telecommute uh, part-time and then I'm in the office part-time. I I use various forms of technology to stay in the loop. So I've got my laptop, obviously, which I use when I'm uh, traveling. And then I also use, I have a a smartphone, so I have an app on there that lets me stay connected via instant message. Mm -hmm. We use Microsoft Link, and I have Link on my uh, smartphone that I can link my team members with and then they can get in contact with me and then obviously my phone so they can call me on my on my smartphone or I also have links set up with my phone in the sense that if they were to call me through work they call my work line it actually gets directly sent to my cell phone if how do you like that I love it yeah I was wondering about that (laughs) I love it because I don't miss them like even if I close my laptop let's say I'm in between you know traveling and I've shut my laptop down because I'm, you know, about to hop in a, right. in a cab, those calls automatically get redirected to my phone. So it's like I'm still on my laptop. I mean, you can tell that I'm not on my laptop, obviously, but I'm not missing any calls. Mm-hmm. And then you stay current. And I, I stay connected the entire time. And I've been doing that for a few years now and I haven't I haven't heard any complaints. So <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Technology I, does definitely helps, I think. Yeah. I, I honestly don't have a whole lot of experience with this. Usually when I've traveled for work in the past, it's, I mean, it's all about that moment, what I'm doing there and I get back stuff, stuff's there, obviously. But that's, I think one thing I've always stressed is make sure you're really regimented of where your tasks and where your focus needs to be. Um, if you're going on that trip and this is what your really main focus is, deal with that in the moment. And I, I tend to plan for that coming back of knowing, hey, I need I'm going to need four hours to catch up or whatever. And I know it's not always uh, possible with everybody's job, but it almost has to be its its own plan. It can't be a part of what your regular day is, or maybe it's an hour a day of that next week when you come back. You know, that, that's five hours then if you're working five days a week. So I'm, I'm very much an in the moment type person and I will get to that stuff when it needs to be gotten to and, and try to get it out of my head. Email, you can kind of double check on that stuff always, but um, I'm very big of just, yeah, be in the moment, focus on what That's you have. That's a good at point. 
Yeah. I always like clearing the calendar too. So yeah. like I'll look mm-hmm. ahead, I'll clear my candle, calendar so yep. it's all open. And then the day that I know I'm going to be back in the office, I do block like a chunk of time. Maybe it's just an hour to respond to emails. And I might not always respond to the email right away, but I'll open it and then I'll minimize it so that I know, okay, I'm going to respond to this at four o'clock when I'm starting to like get to all my emails. Yeah. So like even, That's and, I, good. and I actually do it over the weekends too. Like we had the long weekend this this past weekend and there's a few emails that I'm going to send to Tim but I just open them I you know have the subject lines in there and I just minimize them not a high priority I want to get it out to him he'll get it by the end of today Uh-oh. but at least <laughs> at least I'll remember <laughs> at least I'll remember to send it this is helpful <laughs> I do a lot of these things but I definitely like some of the ideas like you know blocking off some time maybe making sure my calendar's not extra full the day I come back, which I can tell you I don't always do, which would be helpful. Um, and uh, decluttering the email when I get back and um, getting rid of some of that clutter would be good and um, kind of triaging it, like you said, Lynn. <laughs> on that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up today's quad, and we hope you found some insight on how to handle your impending resignation or tips on how to balance it all when traveling. And again, if you are on Twitter, follow us at the LJN and use hashtag LJN Radio to tweet your favorite piece of information from today's quad. And again, we will give a Starbucks gift card to our favorite tweet. And also, if you have suggestions for our next quad, do send us a message at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or you can just tweet it and we'll get it there. And let us know what you want to hear us talk about next. For Lynn Molitor in D.C., Tim Muma and Jamie Goble, I'm Jacqueline Peterson. Thank you for listening. 